this morning. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen.
sing, worship my King. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Forever I will sing and worship my King. What else could I do? What else could I say? How else could I show you?
nothing
Where can I go? 
find me Your love won't find me Where can I go? I keep on running I keep on running After you Lord, I keep on running, running after you. Wherever I go, wherever I go. Love has found me, you always surround me wherever I go, wherever I go with me, wherever I go with me, your love has found me. Always surround me wherever I go. You keep running, you keep running after me. My father is running. You keep running after me. blessing that we have in Christ Jesus today. 
we glorify and magnify you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worthy, worthy the Lamb. Worthy the Lamb of God. And all God's people said amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Don't you love his sweet presence? Neighbor Zach, would you come here? Where's Jackson? I want Jackson to testify. You're leaving too soon. Come here. Dad, come here. You might want to. I want you to tell. Here, give me a mic here, please. You might have seen this on Facebook, but I tell you, it's really important. Can you kind of give us an overview of what happened? And So for probably two years, a year and a half, two years, um, every time he would eat, he would have stomach pain, and he was always complaining about his stomach, and I don't know, we just kind of wrote it off as um, just a kid growing. Um, but it got to the point to where we started to get concerned about it, so we took him in. Well, my wife took him into the doctor, and within about 25 minutes of being there, um, they sent him to the hospital to get screened for a bunch of tests. Cancer was one of the things that that he was screened for, and essentially our whole world kind of changed like that, and then that I reached out to my prayer warriors, and that Sunday at church, Jackson came up front, and uh, he was prayed upon, which was a pretty cool experience for me because I got to be a on security that day and got to be a catcher and got to experience that and um we waited and 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 he finally went back to the doctor and they're like we don't know what's wrong with him there's nothing that we can see that would say anything is wrong with him at all and um these are do you want to tell them what happened that day tell us my stomach pains went away His, uh, his exact words were, I don't know why everybody's worrying anymore. He said, God came down and gave me his shield and told me everything was going to be okay. Amen. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. God is a healing God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, look at Third uh, John. This week, I was in a business and visiting with the owner of the business, who I know very well, and um, she basically said, uh, you know, we pray for our business, but, you know, I, I really don't know if God wants us to be successful and prosper. And might now don't get offended what I tell you. I just looked at her and I said... You Catholics don't read your Bible. It could have, you know, well, it's the truth. And because it is God's will that we prosper. And there's a scripture in, in 3 John, in verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, be in health, just as your soul prospers, for I rejoice greatly. See, we read that first part, but here's the... the Third verse, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the, of the truth that is in you. Say, truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, say, walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Well, you and I, we, it's, it's God's will we prosper. Be in health even as our soul prospers. 
But we have to get the truth in us. The Word in us. And we have to walk in it. I want to read this to you out of my um, commentary. It's, it's so good. It's entitled, The Key to Prospering. It says, The key to prospering is quite simply this, the presence of the Lord. I like that. If God is with us, walking with us as our friend, we will prosper because God prospers everything He does. The Hebrew word for prosper means to push forward or make progress. And one meaning of the Greek word for prosper is to help on the road. In other words, if we prosper other people, we help them along the road. If we prosper others, we push them forward, helping them get farther in life than they once were. How would you like to have God push you forward in your marriage? How would you like God to push you forward in your job? The great news is God wants to push you forward and He wants to help you make progress. He wants to prosper you in everything you do. God's ventures are always successful. He never failed at anything. That's the God we serve. So if He is with you, you will be successful. If God is with you, He is always going to be pushing you forward. If God is with you, you cannot help but be blessed and prosper. I told that the gal, Catholic gal, I said, you know, Abraham was blessed so so he could be a blessing. And you and I are blessed today so we can be a blessing to others. Amen. I encourage you in the days ahead, continue to put your tithes in. Continue to sow your seed and give. Amen? Ushers, you can kindly wait upon the people. If you need an envelope for your giving, you can raise your hands. Wherever I go Wherever I go Your love has found me Always surround me wherever I go. Wherever I go, wherever I go, your love has found me. Surround me wherever I go. Um, we have these devotionals back here, and they're excellent. And they're not only good just to read, but they're really a good thing to give to people. And the new ones start for June, July, and August. They're back there. They, you can have them. They cost us about $3 a piece. Um, so if you want to help us out with those, you can just put it in the envelope or give it to Mary Jane or something like that. Also, I ordered some books this week. Um, 
And what this one came, this is by Kenneth Hagin. It's called, you can be led by this, how to be led by the spirit of God. I believe it's one of the finest books ever written. And everyone that's born again should have that. You should keep it in your library. You should read it occasionally over and over again. Those are $15. And I'd appreciate your help on that. Once again, you can give it to Mary Jane or you can give it to me or you can put it in the offering and it'll all go towards that. So I appreciate that. Let's go ahead and and I'm going to pray this morning and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you, Father, we live in a nation that still allows us to worship you freely and openly. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name that you are doing a work in this nation and around the world. I pray that you open our hearts to receive all that you have for us in the name of Jesus. There is so much going on in the world, in this state, in this nation. There's so much prevalent evil that it's hard to comprehend. But on the other hand, there's so much that God's starting to do. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the last few months, I've just been overwhelmed. I've just had this feeling of being overwhelmed because... I believe the prophets. I believe what they're saying. Uh, And some of us expected it to happen on such and such a date. Um, Prophets foretell. So they're talking about things that are going to happen. We haven't reached all of them yet, but we're headed that way, I believe. And, And just... You see God, if, if you're watching, some people aren't seeing it yet, but there is a great awakening happening. Revival is starting to break out, especially if you follow Mario Morello's ministry in California, and he talks about the great despair that he sees in people. And I, you know, if you watch, you can, you can see it. You can see it in the lives of people. There's a great void in their lives without God and they're starting the people are hungry for it and and so that's overwhelming there's the awakenings come there's a revival there's a reformation and they're talking about the greatest revival the world has ever seen the the latter rain and I believe we're on the verge of it I've talked to you about that before and I just have this I just keep wanting to do this to make sure we're all on the same page Because we got to do this together. So all week this week, I've just had this story on my heart that I wanted to tell you. And it's about me. And I don't care that it's about me. That doesn't matter. But it's what? It's not about Monroe. Not about Monroe this time. Well, maybe a little bit. But it's about what God taught me. And it's the only way I know how to explain it to you and get it across. So some of you know... When I was a kid, I was what they would call today hyperactive. <laughs> I was, back then they called, we, my folks just said, she has a lot of energy. <laughs> I bounced like Tigger constantly. The minute my feet hit the ground in the morning, it, they didn't stop. And some of you young mothers, I'd have freaked you out because I never went to bed at 8 o'clock in my life. I didn't even wind down till 10 I was just perpetual motion and my folks got it 
they gave me the five essentials of life. They gave me a pony, a dog, a bike, a ball glove bat, and a fishing pole. And that just sent me out the door all day and just go do something and come back when it's dark. And that's what I did. I just burned. And, and the one thing from the time I was super little, I just loved to play ball. I just beg any, we lived by where my dad worked and when his, his work buddies were on break, I'd go over with a ball and bat and get them to play ball with me. And, and they were great. They'd come and they'd pitch to it. Just constant. That's all I ever wanted to do. I loved to play ball. But I grew up in the era before Title IX, the Women's Sports Equality Act, and there just wasn't a lot of opportunity Recess was my opportunity. Recess was the only reason I went to school. (laughs) Our teachers were smart back then. They knew when you have children with a lot of energy, (laughs) you need to give them opportunities to expend energy. And they gave us great, a lot of recess. (laughs) We got lots. There were times this teacher would just send us out and if we found out, if we didn't get in trouble, she'd let us out there a long time. <laughs> and, and so it was all about recess for me. And so then by the time I got in high school, um, Monroe was the smallest of the small. And we just weren't known for having great ball teams. We could beat Platt Center, Ron, but, but Platt Center bailed on us and went to Lakeview. But anyway, it just... We just didn't have great teams. And for girls, we had track, and I hated track. Sorry, Holly and Paige, I just didn't like to run. (laughs) That was work. I liked to play. Um, But I went out for track because the days of track meets, you got to skip school. (laughs) And there was always, I hated school. And, And they were glad to get rid of me because the minute I was bored, then I was always in trouble. I was always instigating something. Anyway, and we had volleyball, but I didn't like volleyball. And I didn't realize the reason I hated volleyball was because the skill level was so low. It was just terrible at that point of view. But I went out and I played all through high school. And I made the starting team, played all the time, which wasn't saying much for Monroe. I realized that because we just needed bodies. That's all. And by the time I was a junior, they'd passed Title IX, and then Monroe had, or everybody pretty much in the state got girls basketball. So I got to play two years of girls basketball in high school, and that was fun. Played all the time. And then after I graduated, I went to Platt College, which is now Central Community College in Columbus. And um, we had, I played volleyball, and we had a really good team, really good coach. We went to the national tournament, finished 12th in the nation, and got to play all the time, started. It was great. And then that winter was the first time Platt had a basketball team. And so I started at point guard on the basketball team, and that was fun. And I had been born again when I was in high school, but by this time, I was pretty backslidden, and I was serving volleyball and basketball, and God got a hold of me, and basically, I had to make the decision, am I going to serve God, or am I going to serve volleyball and basketball? I had learned to love volleyball by then, and and then I played softball all the time. I played for Monroe, I played for all the Columbus teams, I played six, seven nights a week. And that's the, I really love softball. Anyway, I decided 
that God was more important and I needed to serve God. So I transferred to Oral Roberts University, um, not thinking they had any ball teams. And I got down there, and they had a volleyball team. They had basketball, gymnastics, and volleyball. And um, God gave me the go-ahead. I got to, I went out, I walked on, I made the team. We had a pretty good team, a pretty good coach. Uh, I started, played, had a good season. It was great. And then between my sophomore and junior year, Oral Roberts took sports seriously because he said more people read the sports page than anything. And it's a way to reach people and put our name out there. And so when you played for Oral Roberts University, you played not only for yourself, you played to represent the university and represent Christ. And he took it very seriously. And so between my sophomore and junior year, Oral Roberts University opted to go from Division Two to Division One. They upped the game. And so in that time, for just coincidentally... A woman that had played on the national team and was an outstanding coach, her husband took a job as an engineer for the city of Tulsa, and she was in Tulsa, and they hired her. And so we got a great coach. And she didn't have a lot of time, but she recruited, got some players recruited out of California, and, and it, we had a good season. It was great. I started. It was fun. I was at the top of my world. I loved it. Because I just we played all the time. We played regular season. We played off season. We played all the time. So then um, it came to my senior year. I came home for the summer. I knew it was going to be a good year, a big year, a tough year. Um, so I worked all summer. I went back to ORU that fall in the best shape of my life. I was ripped and ready to go. And and she had gone to California and recruited some really good players. And so we came back three weeks before school started and, and started practice. We would practice six to eight hours a day. And I wasn't playing very well. And after the first, you know, I had high expectations. This is your senior year. About like Jazz Sweet this year. This was your senior year, and you wanted it to be great. You wanted to go out on a high note. And I just wasn't playing very well. And after the first week of practice, I realized I'm not going to make the starting team. And if you were somebody like me, I never played for accolades and awards. I just played because I loved to play. I just loved to play. And so it affected me mentally, emotionally. It was upsetting. And I didn't know what to do. A lot of pride, a lot of ego. You, you know, guys have pride and ego, so do girls. There was a lot of pride and ego there, and it was getting smushed at that point. So um, I had an afternoon, some time off, and I at ORU you have the prayer tower and you have the prayer garden, which is the beautiful sunken gardens around the prayer tower. So I got my Bible, and I went to the prayer garden, and I found a place where nobody would find me and I could be alone. And I started out by talking to God, a lot of fussing and complaining, probably. A lot of whining. And, and finally, I got down to the point of pouring my heart out to God. I would come this far just to sit on the bench, you know. <laughs> I want to play. And finally, a lot of it, there's nothing wrong with pouring your heart out to God, but where people miss it a lot is then they don't shut up and let God 
tell you something in return. But I was, I shut up finally and started, just sat there and probably was moping. And in this, this book, there's, God can speak to you in different ways. And this is what's so good about this book. I hadn't read this book at this time. But there's the inward witness. There's just that kind of knowing in your heart. Oral Roberts would say, you just know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. And that was the inward witness. There's the inward voice. That's your spirit man speaking up. God can speak to you in an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But the Holy Spirit can also speak to you. And when he does, it's more authoritative. It comes, it's words that come up out of your heart. But you know that it's God speaking to you. And the one thing about that I've learned, and it's happened to me a handful of times. The one thing I've learned about that is when God speaks to you, it's profound. Because he's at a different level than you. It isn't like something I've been thinking about and meditating. It's beyond my mentality. And as I sat there that day, God spoke to me through the the Holy Spirit. And it was simple. God God will speak to you at your level. Although it's profound, it'll be at your level and it'll be, you know, when he talked to the, when Jesus talked to the fishermen, it was about fishing. When he talked to the farmers, it was about farming. So usually when he talked to me, it was about sports. And he, he asked me a question. He said, do you want to be a starter on a mediocre team or a bench warmer on a great team? I wanted to be a starter on a great team. <laughs> But he didn't give me that option. And I thought, oh, man. You know, all my life I played for the, But I had come. I, want, I knew well enough that this team had the possibilities of being a great team. I mean, doing something far beyond anybody, whatever anybody was expecting. So I, came, I, I, I conceded, and I told God I would be happy to be a bench warmer if it could be on a great team. And so then he told me one more thing. He says, then go, forget about being a starter, and go make your team great. And I got a hold of it. I, I recognized when I went to practice, instead of practicing to become a starter, I practiced hard against my teammates so they had to practice hard. If they were hitting, I had to block well. If they were blocking, I had to hit well. I had to serve, receive well so the setter would get the perfect pass to set the perfect set so our hitters could kill the ball. And not only working harder, it brought them up because then they were motivated to work harder. And beyond that, my roommate and I got up a Bible study together for the team. The assistant chapel chaplain from ORU did, had a Bible study for us once a month, and then we would pray together. And there, are, when you have all girls together like that, there's conflicts. Some of the girls didn't like our coach very well. I really liked our coach. She and I were, she was a farm girl from Missouri. We were kind of on the same level. And we had an assistant coach. Some of the girls really liked him, and I didn't. Some of the girls didn't, we just, you know, there's always conflict. And so one of the things I did was work really hard 
to be the peace to be a peacemaker and keep peace and unity on the team and if they needed help with homework I helped them with homework I whatever I could do to serve that team and we had a phenomenal year we had that great team we ended uh, we weren't sissies like today where they play two games a week we'd play six seven games a day and so our ending season was like 63 and 5 and we got beat. One of the teams that beat us was USC defending national champions. One of the teams that beat us was University of Texas at Houston, who at the time had a coach that was an ex-Olympian and um, had three girls, 6'2", 6'2", and 6'1", which was huge for back then. Not today, but back then it was. And I believe all three of those girls went on to play in the 84 Olympics. They were ranked fourth in the nation when they beat us. And we came back in re- in the regional tournament and we took them out of the tournament. We won in a three-hour marathon. It was phenomenal. But we won because they had three stars. We had one team. And the thing is, after that first week of bad practice and I came back to help my team, something happened to me. Because my attitude changed and I got my eyes off myself, I went from playing at this level to this level. And I made the starting team. And I played all season. And God gave me exceedingly abundantly beyond all I could ask or think. But it was because I did it his way. And you don't get to experience that very often in a lifetime. And the reason I keep talking about that year after the flood was because this church experienced that in that lifetime. It was about us working together. There wasn't a superstar here. And telling you all that to tell you this, if we really want to be a mix, be part of this next move of God, it's bigger than us. One of us can't do it alone it's got to be all of us we've got to be a team we've got to be unified if in psalms psalm chapter 133 it says you can look there if you'd like what we did that year at ORU superseded anything we could as a team superseded anything we could have done individually we would have our coach she wasn't born again when she started coaching at ORU she got born again not long after um talk about she had a big ego but she was great but teams would come coaches would come from major universities and say to her how can you get them to play together like that I've never seen a team that and she'd say I'd like to tell you it was me and my great coaching, but she says, all I can tell you is they study the word together, they pray together, and they truly have love one for another. And in Psalm 133, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like a precious oil upon the head. That is an anointing oil. There is anointing from God on unity. 
running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. It's like a dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing forevermore. We need to, you know, the, the church, we've talked about the church in the last 20 years, 10, 15 years, has been more about the arm of the flesh than it is the spirit of God. And I don't want to go back there. That's the mediocre team. I want to play the great team. And to be on the great team, we have to be in unity. We have to be of one heart, one mind, and not our own minds. It's got to, see, I, I had to switch over from my thinking to God's way of doing things. And that's what we have to do as a body of Christ. Not that the, we aren't, but it's going to require more. And everything we do, you know, it became, you don't play for attention to yourself. Our goal as that team was when somebody makes a mistake, then everybody else on the team has to try twice as hard to cover up that mistake so nobody knows that it was ever done. And in doing that, we just played so well together, and that's what it's going to take. We can see bits and pieces of the great move of God, or we can get right in the, the river and, and see the greatness of God, but it's going to take us all together. So when we do things, it's important that we don't draw attention to ourselves. We do them to serve. Everything we do, don't do it to disrupt but to do it to enhance the people around you, the spirit of God. When we do things that draw attention to ourselves, then we take attention away from God. And I don't know what God's got in store, but I just know it's going to be good. And I just want everyone here involved. I want us all together. We can do so much more together than we can individually so I just I just want to encourage you I just want to that's where I'm at I just want and it's going to take some self-sacrifice it's going to take you know I never was the greatest middle blocker I wasn't the greatest outside hitter but I could serve receive really well and people don't notice the serve receiver Sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and do what needs to be done. And there is so much more fulfillment in that. That's people, I think people think I actually enjoyed the flood. (laughs) But there was so much fulfillment in what we accomplished together. It's always better than just doing it alone. So I just, that's that's where I'm at. I just want to encourage you, we just got to lay down our own pride, our own egos, our own want to be the star, and let's just do this together. Let me read to you a passage of Scripture from Ephesians, but I want to read it to you from the uh, message translation. It says in chapter 4 and verse 1, In light of all this, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. 
I don't want you, any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Amen? That's so good. That's why I wanted to read to you from the, the message translation. Let's stand up this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, today, we thank you for your word and what the Spirit of God spoke through Kathy. We receive it, and Father, we will walk in it, act upon it. Father, we thank you that we are to guard the unity of the faith. So let everyone here today that's heard this message receive it in humility and act upon what they've heard. We're one body. And I thank you, Father. There are no superstars here only Jesus. And so, Lord, we place our eyes on you this morning. Turn all of our hearts in the direction the Father would have us to go. A spirit of servanthood is on this body and will remain on this body. So, Father, I thank you for your grace abounding towards us to serve each other and to serve those that are out there in the world that need Jesus. We love you. We honor you today. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone here today you need prayer for your physical body? Jesus is Savior. He's also healer. Amen. Well, that was a good word. One team. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Go to your graduation parties.